You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan and Robin Washett, Nate Klaus. Time for the mailbag. And right out of the bat, I posted it kind of late on Wednesday because I wanted to get the most current up-to-date questions. First question from Mavsker, which that's a new one, Jasker, Mavsker. Um, what do you make of the radio silence from the Big Ten I think you can look at it in a few different ways. I think if you're the optimist right now, you're like, there's actually something going on, and maybe they're worried, and they're taking grenades in the bunker, and they're trying to figure this out, or maybe they're just trying to hope that outbreaks happen at other places and other schools have to shut down within the next week or so. Your guys' thoughts? Yeah, I mean, right now I'm based off the fact that all these coaches still appear to be so much in the dark uh, about what's going on. It just seems like the Big Ten is – uh, you know, sticking with its plan and, you know, going down in the bunker and waiting it out and hoping that everything else kind of falls in line the way they expected it to. And then suddenly they can come out and look and, smart and look like, look like they had a, an idea of what was going on all along. Well, it, to me, it just seems like they're, they're hoping to, uh, to, to get the, the right answers as the longer they stay quiet, the, the longer they, they'll have to, uh, to gather up their thoughts or, or to put something together and or, or hope that things go away, but it's definitely not going away. Got a question here from Husker3957. Um, just, you know, there were rumors that Kevin Warren went out to L.A. Uh, for a period of time to set up the 10-game conference schedule. Do you think with the importance that the Big Ten has put on the Rose Bowl and their affiliation with the Pac-12 that both these leagues kind of conspired together for a grand plan of spring football ending with a big pseudo championship Rose Bowl type game in the late spring in Pasadena. I'm sure. I mean, there's a possibility of that. I mean, I think if, if it works out in the PAC 12 and big 10 have to play in the spring, I wouldn't be shocked at all if they tried to come up with some sort of April or May Rose Bowl. Yeah. To have their own little, little championship, but you know, again, that, that seems to be uh, quite the sacrifice for what's yeah. going to happen yeah. this fall just to have your own little showcase in the spring with six or seven games. Yeah, it doesn't add up financially. It does not. I mean, any way you, you, you look at it, doesn't just doesn't add up. I, I find that very hard to believe that, that uh, they were conspiring to, to have their own special spring football season. The playing, again, playing the spring to me is just not very viable when you look at the long-term uh, you know how much it impacts you long term. That's why the January thing is probably the only way that they could yeah, go. You'd but, have to start that early. But then, okay, let's do it in the height of cold and flu season. To I mean, d- none of it makes sense, Robert. I think of spring football. I think of XFL. What was that beer snake? That, that cup snake oh, they yeah, would do with the, with the DC defenders. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, That's that the last sweet. spring football I watched. And, I mean, didn't that thing go up like hundreds yeah. of? Yeah, oh, over yeah, was, the like basically the entire length of the the, the end zone section, but. Yeah, I mean... A cup snake? I just don't... You can't push it back any further than that, in my opinion, just because, I mean, there's so much other things at play with, you know, the NFL draft. I mean, you are already going to get probably decimated by transfers and lose recruits, and now you're going to have players sit out uh, because they don't want to hurt their draft stock by playing a meaningless season in the spring right before they're supposed to go work out the combine. Like, it, it, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So if you're going to do it, you have to start in January, in my opinion. There's no other option. Best fall camp story for... From the Mike Riley era and I don't know if this was fall camp guys but there was one in the spring if I remember right where there was kind of a practice fight or something that happened and it was one of the practices that the media was able to watch the entire practice and like it was like a different guy Mike Riley just went off the handle I mean he was 
yelling and screaming and it was Gerald Foster that he got on. But in some ways you heard conspiracy theories that he almost did that on purpose because he knew the media was there to kind of put on a little show and show people that he wasn't just some, you know, Mr. Nice guy um, out there. You know, the other one too, like that was after they got beat by Oregon, how Mike Riley, remember when the, in the Monday following press conference, how angry and upset he tried to come off after that Oregon loss. And I was always told that he was directed from his boss, I or Devaney or whoever, that he needed to go up there and show some anger for that, that loss at Oregon. Yeah. When you have to instruct your head coach to show emotion about a loss, that's kind of says everything you know about the guy you hired. So, uh, I remember one time, I can't remember when it was, I think it was fall camp. They had like a, one of the carts and they had like speakers playing and like Tommy Armstrong, Gerald Foster. And you know, that, that little click of, of players were like riding around, like cruising through the media, playing like a bunch of music. And, uh, it went crazy on social media. That was kind of like an embodiment of, that whole era where like the focus was so far away from getting ready for play football that they were, you know, dancing around doing stuff like that, uh, trying to uh, get, get tweets put out by the media. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the best fall camp story. And I think one thing that that sticks in my mind was uh, we were at a practice and uh, I think it was a couple reporters from the DN (laughs) Where we're in a spot oh, out that on was the practice great. field where they were not supposed to be. In between the two. In between the two, two grass fields, and there's yeah. like that sideline area between. <laughs> and they, and uh, they were told not to go over there, but they went over there anyway, and, and one of the kids just got lit up. Yeah, there's a play on the sideline, and two players coming. Like they, they, The kid was facing the other direction. He got the back of his legs taken yeah. out and flipped over the top. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that was. It, I remember. I remember just watching that happen. It was like it was like a train wreck. Like you, you knew something bad was going to happen, but you couldn't turn away. And, and man, they. <laughs> I don't know who it was, but he, yeah, he regretted being uh, being right over there. Best practice fight story you've ever heard? Well, I've seen it, and it was it was uh, Adam Carricker versus uh, Richie Incognito, and that that was back in '04. And that was the moment that led to Richie being suspended where he flipped the desk over in Bill Callahan's office. But it was a just an epic. I mean, I mean, it was like the guys had their fists out and their helmets were off. And I mean, it was like two gladiators fighting in the ring. And then Callahan was so mad that he stopped practice and ended, ended the practice. Everybody left the field at that moment. And then Richie was done. I mean, that was the end of Richie Incognito. Man. Yeah, I'm sure you could probably have like six or seven Richie stories about that. But uh, one that jumps out immediately was uh, when Alex Lewis was just getting torn up by Randy Gregory in practice. Like he could not block Randy Gregory for whatever was going on that day. And his temper just exploded to where like I don't think they actually got in like a full fledged fight, but he was so livid that like he took off his helmet, he threw his helmet, he was just swearing and cussing and like Barney Cotton had to take him into the uh, trainer room and like basically get him away from everybody and and talk him off the ledge a little bit. That uh, kind of was a, a glimpse of things to come with that guy. Well, Barney got heated too. Barney Barney was in the in the mix there too. Um, man, I've I've seen quite a few. Um, those are those are two really good ones. I know there was there was one between Lakeven Smith and Richie too. That Richie. was that was pretty epic. <laughs> I mean, it, it, Richie was uh, it was kind of a common denominator in a lot of the the really really big big fights that uh, that I can remember. Let's see, we got a question on Yacht Club, but we're not going to answer that one. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, sir, Yacht. Uh, 
what okay will in use game at ireland will that happen what are your thoughts on the ireland game and man i mean first of all if if you're a fan that's going to fork out like five or six grand a person to go on this trip aren't you i mean I, i think there's a lot of people that are nervous to book those types of trips until we really know where this world's at and that's a year from now when we'll be on that trip or potentially um, I'm not too optimistic no. that that game's going to happen next August yeah, right I mean, now. They can't even play a regional schedule, let alone play games internationally. So until they actually show some sort of ability to uh, have some normalcy, uh, I'm, I'm not counting on it. It just seems like that is such an unnecessary risk in the grand scheme of things that as disappointed and upset that I'm going to be that we're not going to be able to go to Ireland. Uh, you know, I think the first and foremost priority needs to be put on actually playing games in Lincoln, Nebraska, before you're going out to Dublin. Well, and and first of all, you you have to know what if there isn't going to be football this fall, um, you have to know what the spring is going to look like. What's that spring schedule look like? Because if if that if that season, the spring season, if there is one, does go long, I mean, there's no way that you're going to be turning right back around and, and flying out to Ireland, in my opinion. All right. Well, that wraps it up for the mailbag. We're going to talk some recruiting. Uh, the Huskers lost a commit. They gained a commit, and then just some of the eligibility um, recruiting obstacles that c- could come with not playing this fall. We'll get Nate's thoughts on all that next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show.